0: Welcome and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Pancake Family of Podcasts. Hey, it's Cajun, and I'm back after a few-week hiatus from the normal cast. Welcome to Geekologist Radio, where we take you through our queue and ride the hype train into the future. Let's introduce our crew for tonight's cast. First up, we have Mr. Jeff. How's it going, sir? Hey, how's it going? Better better be ready to talk about things. I have lots of things and notes. I have like a back catalog of stuff to talk about. I'm excited. There we go. And Mr.
1: Damien Nash, what's going on in your world, sir? Aside from computer issues, so I apologize right now if my audio is a little off from where it typically is, uh, things are going decent, but, uh, yeah, just fighting through the technical difficulties. <laughs> it's it's
0: <laughs> this constant struggle. Yeah, exactly. Technology is not our friend. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, looking into errors and omissions, I don't see anything in there, uh, did y'all have no errors in the last week while I was gone? Has it been
1: flawless? We're doing What's our best here? not to have any.
0: Don't <laughs> be yelling at you from the Discord. Hey!
1: Stop screwing up! <laughs>
0: uh, now let's get into NRQ. Now, uh, first up, uh, NRQ would be do, me doing a, sort of a season review of a show I mentioned as I was getting through at Handmaid's Tale and also said I wasn't going to finish it until uh, I got to the end. And so I finally finished season one of Handmaid's Tale. And just giving a full-on review of it, I might hit a couple of points I mentioned before, but this is just kind of bringing it all full circle. Uh, What this show is, it's um, rewritten for modern times, telling of a 1985 novel by Margaret Atwood. She she actually, the uh, novelist who wrote this book in 1985, still alive today, she consulted on the show and she even made a cameo as an aunt in one of the scenes. Um, and I had mentioned before that this got 13 Emmy nomination, which isn't the 22 that Westworld got, or the even the 18 of Stranger Things. But 13 is still strong, but it's also one of the seven shows that got nominated for Best Drama. Uh, and other shows we've covered are nominated as well. Better Call Saul, The Crown, Stranger Things, This Is Us, Westworld, and House of Cards. Uh, but Handmaid's Tale actually feels a little closer to current uh, U.S. government changes than House of Cards. House of Cards actually feels tame watching it now compared to what's going on now. Uh, So uh, Handmaid's Tale feels uh, uh, actually a a little more prevalent. Now, what this is, what the premise is, and I mentioned this before, but it's a dystopian future, but it's set in modern day. Uh, But And this dystopia is caused by a very small percentage, probably less than 1% of women in the world who can get pregnant. And the U.S. goes through a very short-lived civil war, basically a coup if you want to even call it that, and the government's toppled and the country splits down party lines into theocracy and democracy. Uh, and I don't know how much is controlled by theocracy and democracy. They never go that far of a detail on how much is actually controlled by which and how much land masses because we don't see that far out. One thing about this, though, even though you don't see that, this is great world building. It's a great mix of current conditions versus how people lose their rights and freedoms up to and through the toppling of the government. So you see it a lot you see a lot of flashbacks, but it's not in the middle of a scene. It's done at the beginning of the episodes, and it's done well. And you can really tell that it's a flashback. You don't have to like uh, question it or be in any of those dream sequence uh, questions that I've had to deal with in the past. And I had issues with in the past. Um, Now what this does, it's a, this storytelling all feels real. How everybody interacts feels really real. And how the leaders control with misinformation and branding of their plan and their uh, position, how they control through oppression how they control through biblical justification and fear, all of that just feels real and not too much of a stretch. Like, okay, I can see that because they they take you through those little steps of freedoms being removed and uh, control being in, instituted in uh, and like distrust in the media and things like that, how they just itch away at it. And you also get to see former U.S. citizens, now citizens of this, of this new country called Gilead, is they're now refugees and get to see how U.S. citizens act as refugees. Um, And that's interesting. Some And some don't. Some buy in to the new culture uh, and choose the life, and some are just captured um, because they're needed in this new world, and they're forced into this life. And the soundtrack is also really solid. It has a great mix of um, modern music and some classic hits in there as well too, even though it's uh it's this dystopian uh peasant kind of lifestyle, it does have a lot of uh modern stuff in there. But I put the soundtrack right up there with Luke Cage and Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of its quality. Um it was it's really good. It's the timing of it is great. It fits every scene. It's like oh that's a perfect choice of a song right there. It really really does fits well direction and cinematography are great and because color really matters like the handmaids they wear red for fertility the wives wear blue to make them similar to virgin mary Uh, that's how the color she wears the same blue she wears in uh painting depictions of her soldiers wear black and ants wear gray now uh, this season was great next season i want to see where it's going in other countries we get to. get to see a little bit of two other countries in this, just in passing. We want to see more of what's going on in the outside world. Um, Basically, I want to see their perspectives looking in. Because it's kind of like I got to see how North Korea or or Iran look from the inside from this show. But I want to see now how the rest of the world sees this new U.S. or this new Gilead. So that's what I want to see in season two. It's definitely coming back. It's it's Hulu's highest rated and watched show by far. I'm giving it a 9.5 out of 10. It was absolutely Whoa. great. Yeah, wow. I'm gonna
1: have yeah. to see now. I'm gonna have to like <coughs> nab uh, or nab up Hulu and yeah. wind up getting on there and getting. uh,
0: Hey, hey it's Dana, only eight yeah. bucks a month. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, Dana, huh?
2: I got your back, boo. Oh, sweet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hulu's only eight bucks a month with, uh, with commercials. So I got the
2: eleven ninety nine one, so you don't get those commercials.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I, like yeah, I like it. I like it. Thank your you. you back. Yeah, I, I got eight, I, I got HBO to one too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do I. Yep. <laughs> yep.
0: I upgraded to that one too. I was I got tired of it. Like, how much oh, more yeah. is it to never watch a commercial on Hulu ever again?
1: Oh, well,
2: the thing about day. the Hulu's commercials as well is it's like the same four repeated over and over again. Well, oh, that's what so any, like like any on demand. That's like
1: any on demand.
0: yeah Yeah. but it puts it right in the middle of like regular televised shows and all those spots where they should be too so it just makes you feel like you're watching regular tv and i don't want i don't want that feeling
2: (laughs) now my wife also watched handmaid's tale and she loved loved it as well and Mm -hmm. it it was one of those ones that she started by herself so i never watched it with her and now that like she loved it and you love it I, i i gotta give this a try
0: yeah, no, it's it's very like I said. Every, it, it doesn't miss anything. Uh, there, there's when I think of shows and how to rate them, I, I start taking points away for bad things, and I can't take a point away from it. The Only thing, one reason this show doesn't get a ten is because it wasn't Daredevil season one <laughs> <laughs> or Westworld season one. Like those are the shows that are like I put up there as like if, there, if that's my number one show of a year type thing, where it's just I can't think of anything i can take points away from it for and uh and it's good all the way through and this one has all of that stuff it's just it's it's missing that last half of a point just to make it pure perfect
2: well what's great about this as well is it's showing that the streaming services are coming out with force like amazon is getting stuff all the time now same with netflix and now hulu's in the game too so
0: facebook Facebook's oh, making Facebook. original content. I know. What? That's so weird. When's that? What, what? Yeah.
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Facebook <laughs> yeah. announced they're making original content. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's getting into the original content game right now because if you make good content and you and you charge people for it, it's 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 where the money's at, and traditional cable is quickly going to be pulled away uh yeah. just mainly because of the quality content out there. The only reason they're going to survive is the people who just traditionally like cable on their house. I but can't they, wait not to see they good content.
2: I can't wait to see YouTube uh YouTube Red actually come out with something that people just uh rant and rave about because it's all YouTube creators that are creating that content. So that will be great. Did you see the horror see.
1: movie that they put out? which one? Oh, oh i'm trying to think of, i can't think of the title now my daughter saw it was telling me about it
0: now i haven't seen any of those things I, they all kind of look like hi i'm a youtube personality but now with better camera and cinematography doing something yeah. crazy well i know Ooh. the film and i was like eh. the
1: film actually had a couple of the actresses from uh uh jesse in it actually all grown up hmm interesting
2: yeah, the only thing that I've watched is like the Game Lab, which
1: is uh, from the Game th- Theory guys, uh, which is pretty good. Anything from Rocket Jump is is pretty good. I mean, like, that's true. I mean, anything that they do, because you've got things like Video Game High School, which I don't care who you are, that thing, that's the funny as all hell. That was great. <laughs> that was great. Nice.
0: Now moving on to the next show. I have a few in here. Sorry, guys, or not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. You got Apple. a heavy dose of *Caged Space*. Yes, exactly. got, got some Tony Shastri's coming on right up. <laughs> now, uh, got *Voltron* season three. Uh, it just dropped. This is a short season; it's only seven episodes long. And season four is coming in October. So it seems like these Netflix cartoon or animated series are following the same model. Uh, Castlevania. Did. It's like. Castlevania was short a few episodes. It didn't seem like it should have been a season, but it was, but with another season coming shortly thereafter. And Voltron's doing the same thing. So I think this is something they're trying out just to do these short seasons just so they can have exciting launches and set, and, and not content lulls in between them. So um, this but this season though, this was more setup of new storylines because season 2 ended many storylines. A uh, new villain was introduced and he's not pure evil. As previous season two, season one and two's villain was. Uh, one thing we also saw that was pretty cool was we get to see a long flashback to the origin of Voltron. Voltron. Get to see uh, how he was made. We get to see how the Gaul of the main uh, villains from season one and two became evil. We get to see King Altor. And the Altarians before they were wiped out, and, and them making Voltron. So that was pretty cool. So overall, the season was good, but it was all build up with little payoff. So I'm giving it a seven and a half out of ten. I really like the other seasons, but uh knock some points because this just all build up to it.
2: And now, is this a, a Netflix thing?
0: Yeah, Netflix original.
2: Okay, I haven't yet, I haven't watched a any of that i totally forgot that they even brought voltron back
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no and it's uh dreamworks too dreamworks is uh the the production company on this so yeah they're they're putting some money into it
2: and dreamworks does some pretty good stuff too i mean their uh their animation studio is getting really close to pixar status i think especially with uh last guardian and like the how to train your dragon series and stuff those are all great and i i guess uh the the uh despicable me stuff as well Uh, Mm um but they've been coming out with some good stuff
0: yeah for this sure. one fits this one fits like I was a big Voltron fan as a kid I don't have I have fond memories of it but I, I don't have a strong enough memory to remember plot and other elements like that I just remember I really liked it and this brings back those memories and even my daughter likes watching it with me like That's she awesome. wants to watch one of her shows and like can we watch a uh, daddy's cartoon and she's like yeah and she'll sit there and watch it It's it, it it works just fine for her so yeah it's 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 overall just a good time I just want more episodes give, don't give me this short seven episode season I was surprised when it was done <laughs> what that was it
2: no no <laughs> All right. What you got, Jeff? Uh, So I... My wife and I were looking through uh, some different movies and we stumbled upon absolutely anything. Uh, It was a pretty interesting concept. Basically, a man gets powers to basically make anything he wants happening with a flick of a hand by aliens. Uh... Now this has a really good cast. It has Simon Pegg, Kate Beckinsale, Robin Williams. This is actually Robin Williams' last film before oh, wow. he passed away. And the guys from uh Monty Python. So it's a pretty star-studded cast with people like uh, Eddie Izzard showing up and you've got uh Rob Rob Riggle uh, oh, okay. in it as well. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, there's a a ton of people in this cast, and it got torn apart. It's sitting at a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm just going to say this. I actually really enjoyed this film. It got a lot of laughs from me, but the thing about it is that it feels out of its time. If this came out in two in the 2000s it would be just around what it should be like people would remember this one but since it feels like a 2000s film with how the comedy hits sometimes and it came out in 2015 that's the problem right but it has the it has the same writing as that you would expect for Monty Python uh Python people. It's got Terry Jones uh doing this script and directing. And uh Robin Williams does a pretty good uh a pretty good job. He plays a dog in this that's able to talk.
0: <laughs> uh what would you compare it to if you were compare it to a movie? Is there any movie that comes to mind you can compare it to?
2: <laughs> but really not It can hit sometimes a little bit, like during the alien parts, you get to see the aliens like talking in their council, and it kind of hits like hitchhikers would at those points. But I would say it almost has that Bruce Almighty type of feel, because he gets the powers of a god, basically, and he can make everything happen that he wants, one of the funniest scenes is like he finally finds out uh, that he can he can do this, and he flicks his hands. Uh, his friend asks him, "If you had powers, what could, what would you do? Like, if you could make anything happen, what would you do?" And he's a teacher, and he's like, "Oh, I just I would destroy 10C." And while he says it, he waves his hands around, and then there's a huge explosion, and his whole class <laughs> dies. Oh man, yeah. that's dark. <laughs> yeah. And then he freaks out, and then he's like, uh, "He waves his hand. He's like I I wish I had a, uh, or give me a good idea. What should I do next?'" And then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go back to when none of this happened." And so he goes back in time, and none of it happened. uh, Oh, okay. So you can let it do anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious. Damien you had a question. Oh, I was just gonna say you kind of answered it because I was, I was like, "Oh, is you know, with Robin Williams." Is he playing, and you said aliens, I'm like, is he Yeah, oh, That would have been great.
2: <laughs> he plays a dog uh, that uh, Simon Pegg's character gives the ability to talk, and his name's Dennis, and it's pretty funny. It's a mild performance from Robin Williams, I would say. Like, it doesn't have as much energy as, say the genie did do
1: you think that's also because of the place and where he was at
2: possibly i mean you could think you could
1: think that i mean could, this is his last yeah, film because i mean and so he's, he's the person that i mean i don't see him in any other way being able to be tamed even if a director tells him to be tamed you know he's not he's yeah. not aside from when he's done some of his movies where he kind of flipped it. the it, drama. dramas yeah his dramas mm-hmm. is the only time i've seen him be tamed yeah, and he still has a moment yeah, of like night listener. flamboyance at point. Yeah. Or even Jack or Patch yeah. Adams and Patch stuff Adams like that. Was, like, Patch Adams was amazing. That's like that that goes into yeah. the, the, the actual Patch Adams himself is like a mentor, like I follow all his stuff. So
2: Yeah. Or or like even you you think of like Bicentennial Man. Oh, that or was amazing. What dreams yeah. may yeah, come. Okay. The, those ones are like tear jerker movies. But they still have funny parts, oh, yeah. because Robin Williams was that kind of actor that he could do hilarity and then also give you this like this performance that just makes you want to cry. oh yeah, yeah. um yeah he he could he definitely wore his emotions on a sleeve, yeah, but uh, what I would say, i think i I think I found out the reason why it probably got as much of that because yeah it's it's not what people are uh used to from robin williams and it feels like it's out of its time just the writing and the and the style of the directing uh but with that i i've still had a lot of fun watching this movie there's a lot of funny parts there's a lot of good humor and a lot of good jokes uh i would probably i'd give it a 7.5 myself and i know that's a lot higher than it's gotten even from the or from the user score it was sitting at a 34 percent, i believe and i'm i'm kind of surprised at it i hope that other people give it a try because this is robin williams last film you might want uh might just want to see it for that and yeah, uh do you know where it's at for free or do you have to buy it I rented it off of uh, okay. the movies and TV from, uh, from one of the sites from Xbox One. So, okay, it's like a five ninety nine uh, rental, but okay. it's not super bad. It's a good, a good enough movie to give it a try.
0: All right, now uh, moving on. Uh, and speaking of low Rotten Tomato scores, uh, Baywatch got a ten percent. And happened to watch that. Me and the wife we were scrolling through, and hey, look at that one right there. That one looks interesting. Uh, It might be funny. We just need something funny in the background. And gave it a 10%. This is a dumb movie who knows it's dumb and then embraces it's it's dumb. So uh, it uses the same character names from the TV show. Miss Buchanan, Matt Brody, Summer Quinn, CJ Parker, Stephanie Holden. Uses a lot of those. Um, It added a chubby sidekick as a lifeguard, as comic relief. And doesn't really uh, hit that hard. The main characters are fine. They're all likable. Um, the villain and her plan were distracting and unmemorable. I really didn't like that at all. But the thing is, the movie itself wasn't memorable. I can't tell you what I liked and what I didn't. It's just so unmemorable of a show. Um, it's campy. It knows it's campy, but it doesn't try to be good. So I'm giving it a 5 out of 10. Dang
2: it. Uh, no. <laughs> that's why I was, that's
1: why I was yeah, crossing I was my fingers. Was... Uh, uh, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's it's it's... it's it's definitely in the Twenty One Drump Street vein. Well, that, but those I liked a lot. Exactly, but it doesn't. It doesn't have the 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 jokes. Doesn't have the cast that can execute the jokes. They're likable, but they just can't execute them. Uh, and the jokes aren't there. Um, the plot is, like I said, unmemorable, unintelligible. Uh, so it's just them being campy. And but the thing is, I'm giving it a five because of the quality of it i didn't regret watching it though like not at all um it 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 had it had stuff in it that is perfectly fine just throwing it on in the background do some stuff and and get
2: some laughs while you're watching while it's there so yeah because Uh, for me that's about it like zach afron he is a freaking he's shown his comedic talent like in neighbors and in both one and two plus i watched that uh, and one of the, the weddings the where they're going to a wedding. Yes, yeah. and, did, and yeah, that, he was great. Oh, that, that, that was too. great. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. The wedding.
2: So it was kind of set. I I just keep I keep hoping. Like I always want to try a Zac Efron film because uh, he's become my bay, and <laughs> my comedic bay for sure.
0: Yeah, and yeah, they're, none of the cast is bad at all in it. They just they just weren't given good anything. They weren't given good stuff to work with, and it wasn't very memorable. Yeah. Dang. Dang. Yeah sorry it's okay no. <laughs> all right Damien, what you've been watching
1: uh well midnight texas for one i'm on episode four uh jeff where are you at on midnight texas i'm uh i am on episode
2: three so that is one behind you mm. <laughs> have you
1: seen uh, episode three yes oh, okay. yes i saw okay. that one all right yeah
2: the the vampire one after we talked about it i turned it on i watched it it's good what are so you're behind too, though no i'm not okay episode good.
1: four is wait
2: episode four is that no I'm, I'm episode five.
1: five i'm on episode five excuse me
0: all right so you're two ahead Yeah, i'm two ahead
1: because episode four was the one was the last one i talked about that that's the one with uh succubus
2: oh okay yeah uh so. Haven't seen that one. Some really
1: good effects on that one. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So, Tell us about episode. Go ahead. Spoiler free. Yeah. No. Spoiler free no, with go it. Spoiler No, 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 no. Uh, okay. So the, the short of it is Manfred turns to Olivia. We know who Olivia is. She's the badass that we don't, she's not a supernatural as far as we know, but she's just a badass assassin. Also, originally, I do know this, that the actress was originally from the first spinoff uh, American pie movie. Kind of gone in a long way since playing in Bandcamp. <laughs> but anyway, so Mandarin, ah, Manfred turns to Olivia for help with his past. When his past finally catches up with him. I'm not going to give away the name and stuff on that, but the guy who it, it's a, it's a pretty brutal episode, but in a good way, the actor that comes in to play, uh, I'm not I don't want to give the act this is actually just me not wanting to give the actor's name away because he if you give the actor that plays the villain away, it kinda of gives away how dark the film's gonna oh, be. Oh, how dark it's gonna yeah, go. Yeah. 'Cause okay. let's just put it this way. If you watched uh Willem Dafoe. No. No. He <laughs> played uh he's played Jack the Ripper in the past on a sci fi okay. series. Um he's played uh, he was in the Twilight films okay. as a, as one of the uh, el- one of the vampire elders. Um. He he's a, he's a character actor, but when he gets into a role and he's playing a villain, it's pretty pretty harsh. That's all I'm good. That's that's like it's hard. This episode's this episode leads up. Manfred has to uh, Manfred past comes up with him so you find out the whole thing you find out why zelda his grandmother was killed you you get that whole back this is also supposed to be the bobo backstory and do you get a bobo backstory? you do get a bobo backstory you find out a bit about him but there's still it's actually a lot of fun to say but bobo backstory but the thing about bobo (laughs) is that i don't think we know everything about him yet because he just is too much of a badass for it to be just what they say is backstory, is there's still more to this character that we have yet to see. Just by when he's fighting the, the, the looks in his eyes are not the looks that someone like. I mean, you might be angry, but he looks like he doesn't like. He just has no fear, and he knows that he's gonna win, kind of thing. And then, okay. and then he calms right back down. So, I mean, he's got. Oh man, I just, I really feel I, like, but he's not, he doesn't turn on a full moon. So I, I want, first I was like, oh man, he feels like a werewolf, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I still feel like Bobo has more of a backstory than what was played out in this last episode, but it does make for an interesting uh, series of information that will come further about his character and possible new villains to come in to threaten Midnight
2: hmm yeah i gotta catch up yeah it, i'm slacking it I'm does sorry.
1: the episode does end with as a, a uh the camera's kind of fading out and then a quick little like cliffhanger so it it's like just keeps feeding you that gotta watch next week's episode but next week i will give the i will uh, after people have had a chance to watch this episode I will actually give the actor's name and explain some of the other stuff he's in and why I didn't give it away. Gotcha.
0: All right. Now, playing into the Cajun back catalog, um, me and the wife actually went to a movie theater, got a babysitter and everything, and went to see a movie in the theater. You fancy, fancy man. Yeah, went to see Dunkirk. And, man, it's getting a lot of good reviews, and I think rightfully so so this is some of the realest war sequences ever filmed i mean Ooh. saving private ryan then black Hawk. you put all that stuff up there this is some of the realest stuff because this is all practical effects practical i mean real world War ii planes ships very few models are used um the how the, i mean where they're putting the camera how they're putting the camera how they're filming some of these scenes really make really makes you feel you're in it even the the dog fighting and and the planes there's no unrealistic michael bay explosions. everything just feels very
2: very very real Go. do you okay so Christopher Nolan did this one, correct correct them anew and now with that is he Is he going out of his comfort zone a lot more than, you you know, how he likes to play with time and all of that or makes Mm -hmm. time really relative and stuff, or does he still do that with this story? He does that.
0: So uh, it's a nonlinear plot, um, but it's, it's slightly nonlinear. The lighting and the set pieces help place where each scene is. Like sometimes it's like, wait, I thought that was, oh, okay. And, and it really works uh, because some of the things it's, good to know where uh that that's going to lead to when you're seeing it okay this is going to lead to that because i already saw that over there and especially if you're paying attention yeah. you're like oh this boat has already sank because i saw it in the distance and now they're showing it because there's so many things happening and a lot of stuff happening simultaneously they don't show it at the same time but sometimes in the background you can see something that's already happened Nice. so okay. And, but sometimes it's way later. Sometimes you'll see stuff like, why is it dark? And that's that's your first sign of, oh, it's nonlinear. Because when you first see a night scene and you've been seeing nothing but daylight, and it's like, okay, that's when you're seeing stuff nonlinear. So it does uh, help with some of the stuff in there. It would have been nicer, I think, if the setup would have been a little better. That, um, Like you said, me and you and others who are familiar with Nolan know he tells stories that way, but I think a lot of people who don't would have been put it back, like, what the hell is going on? And it would have taken them a little longer to pick up on that
2: i uh, i i don't know because you would be a little surprised with how he did memento and that was his first one and how much of a success that one was and he was playing with time the whole time maybe maybe they can do that
0: yeah that one had, had good success but not nearly like uh like there's a lot of people who still haven't seen memento and those true. a lot those people who haven't seen memento would be also be ones watching Dunkirk because they're gonna these are war movie fans and uh, they're gonna go watch Dunkirk and never seen hardly any of the other uh, superhero movies or any of that stuff yeah because they're gonna see this because they're gonna be told exactly right uh, war veterans and everybody like this feels like this is the most real feeling war movie you're ever gonna see um because there's no exposition at all it's just one giant battle sequence. That's all it is, yeah. Uh, just imagine like any battle sequence of a movie you saw that had a lot of stuff leading up to it, um, and this is like oh, like just imagine if Pearl Harbor didn't have anything besides just the final scene, uh, except done by Christopher Nolan. So that's kind of like what you I'm thinking. This is most familiar to. Uh, there's constant stuff going on even when they are talking or. And nothing really significant is happening. There's a, always a threat looming and you always know a threat's coming because something is always around the corner because this is a constant battle scene. Um, so you don't connect well with the characters. That's one of the negatives. You don't connect well because you don't get a lot of time to get to know who these people are. Uh, even when you are seeing the characters, they're not talking. They're just like uh, sitting around staring because they're basically shell-shocked and things like that. They don't say much. Now, I, the couple other issues I had, there's two sequences that I had issues with. One, I'm not going to give away any spoilers here, uh, but there's a boat with some holes. It, it was leaking. That whole sequence and how that played out, um, just the engineer in me wasn't liking it, but I think even just, and I asked my wife, was like, even her, she was like, there's so many ways they could have done that differently. It just didn't make any sense. Why did they do this? Why did do this? Why did do that? Like, exactly. Uh, that was a big thing. And then uh, a lot of people know Tom Hardy's in this. He's a pilot. Uh, his plane at the end of his uh, sequence um, and the last thing he shoots down and how he finishes his run, those two things didn't make any sense to me at all. Everything leading up to it made a lot of sense and was great, but those two things at the end didn't make any sense. Uh, I think they could have told that story quite differently and better. Um, so, for those elements that I, I didn't like, th- those are the points getting taken away. So, I'm giving it an eight and a half out of 10. Still really good. Um, just, just to see the sequences in this show is, is worth it in and of itself. Um, so don't go expect to see a, a plot or anything like that. Just, you're going to, you're going to see battle sequences shot with prac the most practical effects you can think of the real ships being sunk and things like that. So that's
1: awesome. Yeah. My, uh, uh, my brother-in-law, when he went and see it, he was actually looked down because of the fact that there was no exposition it was just all fighting he mm-hmm. felt that and he felt that it wound up making it the story like he, he had a hard, harder time following it so he didn't right. he didn't actually enjoy it as much as but then hearing you talk about it that makes me want to go see it so it's like it's it's different it, it's crazy how someone can sway you hear from one, one person then you hear it from her now it's like okay now it's worthwhile for me to so see I'll probably rent it probably won't see it in right. theaters
0: Yeah, and uh, I went in with that expectation. I knew it was nonlinear. I'm sorry, I knew it was no exposition. I didn't know it was nonlinear, but I knew it had no exposition. So I was expecting that, so that did help a lot for me. Uh, And I'm glad I picked up nonlinear because, yeah, it would have really sucked trying to follow the plot if
2: I hadn't figured that out early on. Jeff? So after seeing this, do you think that it will be up for awards? Not Best Picture.
1: Special it, effects?
0: I mean, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. Special special effects, sound, all that Direction. stuff. Direction. I mean, all, all of the special categories it'll get. Uh, Any it actors might do you get, think? It might, no. An actor one's going to get nominated for it. Not going to get nominated for script. Uh, I, if it does, I'd be surprised for Best Picture if, if there's like a ton of them. Um, he could get director though, because I mean, like, see, these scenes are fantastically shot in uh, cinematography But everything on the writing and acting side Not a chance So I think when you have no nominations there That's going to affect you getting a Best Picture nomination And uh, We talked about one that uh, I brought up That I was excited
1: about, Damien, you watched uh, What Happened to Monday? I did Basically the premise of the film is A world where families are limited to one child Due to overpopulation A set of identical septuplets Must avoid being put to a long sleep By the government and dangerous in fighting while investigating the disappearance of one of their own. Each of these kids in this film are played by, uh, well, the adult versions are played by Numi Rapace. She's also uh, one of the films that she was in while she had a cameo in the most recent alien, basically her as an actress, because each character they live, they they, they live uh, one life. They're each named Monday through through Sunday. They're named seven days of the week, so they get to go out and live a life on their day, uh, living the same life, the same woman's life. So they have to, they have to uh, pass info back and forth to each other at the end of the end of the night. Uh, one of the things that you see the set, one of the main sets is their apartment that they grow up in, and the parts of the film that Willem Dafoe is in. He's the father, right? No, okay. Father, okay. father-like individual. Re- father-like figure, yeah. Re- relative, head. but you will have to see it to know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, spoiler. Yeah, it's a spoiler. Yeah. So, but his role and his degree of change of emotion for the for the bit of the film that he's in is great. He, I mean, as he is, like he—you put Willem Dafoe in a role, and you know, typically, know it's not going to be bad. That's one of the great things I, I really, I was excited about seeing him in this. Now, as much as it seems like it's super, super sci-fi, it's—it's not. It's more grounded. Some of the stuff is similar to Minority Report.
0: Yeah, it looks just dystopian future, not sci-fi at all. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it's—it's. Yeah, I mean, it—it feels like this could be, you know, in in like ten, like five, ten years from now, actually. Mm-hmm which mm-hmm. also plays into the part of making it more, be- more of a believable thing because it deals with the fact of hormones and stuff in food. And this is kind of like one of those things where it's like saying, hey, we need to watch what we do because it's talking about the changes and stuff that it can do to the human reproductive system. Hence, like Okja. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Okja, yeah. <laughs> hence having multiples born constantly, then having a population boom and having to curtail that. In a very
0: dark... Which is the exact, op- exact opposite of Handmaid's Tale. Opposite population problem. Uh, but it's also... Uh, one thing I missed was that they do... Uh, one government actually thinks it's climate change that caused it. And the other one, the the, the Gilead government thinks it's immorality that caused the uh, sterileness. So,
1: yeah. Side note. <laughs> Glenn Close, you hate her. Like, she plays... She's, uh, she's one of those actors that she can either make you... Love her character or hate her, and you hate her character in this. Her nice. and Miller, her and Meryl Streep, man. Yep, they like, both they both great. they are. But I wanted to go back to uh, Numi Repaces. Her role was the fact is that you see her acting ability in this because she has to. When they're in the house, they all are allowed to display their individual personalities. So she has to play. Seven totally different people. Somewhat, some even sound different. They have different, you know, just ticks and stuff. And to see that all come together on screen, it's like kind of crazy to think how she filmed, how that was filmed, and everything. Like I would love for this to come out on Blu-ray. I would actually buy this on Blu-ray. That's how good it is. Even though I have Netflix, I would buy this on Blu-ray yeah. <laughs> to see a making of Futurette and own it because. That's how well done this is. It's sitting right now on IMDb as a 6.9 out of 10. I I feel that that should be, I, I, that's pretty close. I think, I think a 7, an even 7 would be good. It's, it hits home. It's good. It's not great. But yeah, it's entertaining. And that's, that's what it needs to be. So If you're looking for something to be entertaining and to see an actor's chops, you, you, you need to definitely check this out.
2: So what you're saying is that uh, she's going to be in Split 2,
1: right? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. That, well, we don't know about Split 2 oh. right now. The fr- right now, we got to worry about Glass. Yeah.
0: Our our nutty professor for Yeah
1: That, too. Oh, she, <laughs> she, could. How, she could.
2: A remake of her, uh, Axe Murderer. Or I uh, married an axe murderer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, Uh, And that ends also our uh, NRQ segment and uh, anything we're going to be watching wanting to cover next week,
1: Damien. I'm trying, I've been holding off. I want to see Atypical because that one does, it's a Netflix original that covers uh, an autistic, uh, a high functioning autistic uh, teenager slash 20, early 20 something and how he goes about life and just, Kind of things. Now having a son that's uh that's on the spectrum, it uh my my middle son it it makes me really want to watch it. My wife wants to watch it, so I have I've had to hell to hold off. Um, so whenever my wife can get some time away from overtime and all that stuff, we will be sitting down and watching it. I'm hoping next week to watch that. However, we have a backlog of hours worth of uh. Mm, bachelor in paradise that i have to get caught up on with her so that's probably what i'll be Ooh, watching
0: i would i would have kept that one to myself <laughs> I, I actually like those <laughs> oh i'd have kept that to myself too <laughs> oh man you, you double down i was like i gave you an out i literally gave you an out and you're like no 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 i'm jumping on this hand grenade <laughs>
2: sorry i almost
0: threw up i know i got i tasted a little throwing them out there for some reason i don't know what's going on <laughs>
2: I have uh, Game of Thrones gonna watch like a two-hour-long episode on Sunday.
1: Yeah, so. and
2: um, uh, something was Texas text. probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, one one thing before we head out of there, though, I wanted to say something about because I didn't get a chance to be on. Uh, I had some stuff go on in personal life, wasn't able to be on the Game of Thrones episode. That episode was f- amazing. That is how I have always wanted to see a zombie film take place in the medieval, like, you know, like a fantasy realm. And to see that, it was. Oh,
2: there is one.
1: There is what?
2: There is one. Uh, It's on Netflix. It's uh, Black Dawn or something like that. I can't remember. It's there. It used to be. I'll have to look it up and I'll get back to you check for black dawn and that could be black uh, something one. or other it is black something or black or dark good one thing we're covering
0: two. what to watch next because we're gonna have to look that up and then cover if we uh, definitely yeah so was it good uh, for me I, I i haven't seen it
1: oh, yeah i, I just, <laughs> he know just knows it, it exists, exists. yeah <laughs> uh,
0: uh so for me i there's not many shows i've picked up following i'm actually uh in, in the reading phase right now i'm actually reading uh the wheel of time, finishing off uh, the second to last book that I got stagnant on a while back, so just so I can get caught up on. I'm actually tearing through that, and uh, man, uh, I think it was chapter twenty six of book thirteen. I read it so dang hard that when you finish a chapter, I was just like smiling. Like it's very rare you re- read a chapter of a book where you're just like, "This did everything I wanted it to do." Yes. Obviously, you've <laughs> never
1: read written or written. Obviously, you've never read a Brian Jake's novel. Or a Brandon Sanderson, not Because if you read one of That those- is Brandon Sanderson. Wait, t-
2: Wheel of Time?
0: Brandon Sanderson wrote the final three books oh, yeah, of you're the time right. when Robert Jordan died. So this That's book thirteen right. is Brandon Sanderson.
1: Yep. Uh, Brian, Brian Jakes, his novels, like the Red Wall series, the Red Wall series and all that <laughs> stuff. It's just he will take like a chapter just to explain a banquet. And it, yeah see that
0: to me too much just give me everything I wanted that chapter gave me everything I wanted Dan Brown does stuff like that where it's just fast writing where it's really uh, enthralling stuff but uh, this one where it had a lot of build up and everything I wanted to have happen happened. happen that was great awesome. but uh, not a lot of shows in my uh, to be watched stuff uh, and then now let's move on to the NRQ hype train
1: All right, so we start off the hype train with the teaser that we got instead of an actual appearance in the Defenders, of the Punisher. He's really good with that hammer. <laughs> he is like, I mean that. Hey, yeah, he
0: made an exact scope. Yeah, tra- yeah, we're
1: trying to talk about believability. Like, I, and that's my boy, that's my boyfriend Castle there. But I don't know, he, he's hitting a sledgehammer and he's taught, You got, you hear this uh, dialogue, inner dialogue going over, and then he's looks he's got like a little bit of blood on him but he's he's wearing the punisher the, the punisher uh attire he's got the skull. he's got everything he looks good and then he walks away and you see the punisher emblem hammering out in concrete and i'm like when i saw it i got all giddy ran like i felt like i needed to put on all my punisher sh- tires on at one time be like the little kid in the the christmas story but uh yeah, everything on but at the same time i'm like That's you couldn't do that, but still, I don't care. I'm excited. What do you guys think?
0: I mean, even in the Thomas Jane movie, he set like all the cars on fire in the shape of a Punisher skull. It's like, what is the Punisher's deal with like making things in the shape of a skull? And I think it's just, it's just for commercial
2: effect. How many like, point turns did he have to do to get it just right so, so it would be a skull? Burned in
0: just the skull, the skull shape, yeah.
2: Run up to the top of the building and look down. Oh, I got to move that one over to the left a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Took a Yo. long time. Yeah. But no, I...
0: I of Daredevil Season 2. Like I said, that one's low on my list. But man, I liked the Punisher character in that one. I love John Berthold's portrayal of it. I mm-hmm. like everything about it. His character was basically the underwriting theme of Daredevil Season 2 of PTSD. Yep. And his character was the main driver of that entire uh, theme- thematic arc. And he was only half the show. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with the Punisher. Um, just give them good dialogue. I mean, do we think give them now,
1: dialogue. do we think there's going to be a daredevil sighting in, or at least a Matt Murdock sighting in the Punisher?
0: Mm-hmm. Not the way the defenders in it. No. Uh, one of the other defenders might be in it, but not see. I have, see
1: my, one of the things is, is I think that the Punisher did still, I think the Punisher is the one who saved Matt Murdock.
0: No. Nah, Cause I think Matt Murdock came out the other side of that. I think like that. Uh, Dragon Tunnel or whatever has like a Kung Lun type exit on the other end. Uh, And he came out that end. Instead of it being excavated out from where uh, he got buried, I think he came out the other end.
1: Oh, okay.
0: All right. What's next?
1: Next next is (laughs) of the Bumblebee movie. And this is is something to actually get excited for, guys, because, no, it is. Trust me. (laughs) Because here's the thing. No Michael Bay.
0: That is exciting. Cause, oh, who's
2: the director?
1: I'll tell you right now. Because there's yeah. plenty of ble-
2: bad no, directors.
0: No, it's too- I do have to say when I read this in the show notes, I and I saw Bumblebee movie. You and thought spin off did- of John Cena, and I I thought this was a spin off of the of B movie, the uh, the Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> one, and this was Bumblebee movie. I was like, what the hell? Why are we covering that crap. <laughs> it <B-movie> would sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, it's the oh, it's that Bumblebee movie. Yeah, I was reading that completely wrong in the show notes up until I checked into it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I saw who the director was. I forgot his name, but he has he has uh, uh, some good movies in in his past. And so as long as it's not Michael Bay and he definitely well, not. So no, Michael no, he, this skin. is it.
1: This is what I got. I'm actually you have I have to read you this because it is it is that detail that you need to be but, read it. We better
0: make it short though, because we're running low yeah. time. Okay. So
1: the latest set of the uh, next year's solo film in the Transformers series, Bumblebee, uh, takes place in the eighties. So first up, we are origin going. To, story. We, it's an not an origin story, but we are going to see the original beetle form. Oh. Nice. So yeah, this is looking. Be an actual yeah, like beetle, yeah the beetle. the director beetle. director said he is going. This is going to be more of a drama. Um. And not so much. It's going to have action, but it's going to focus more on a dramatic sense to it, the story. He is developing it more, much more reminiscent of the Iron Giant, as opposed to the other okay. the other films. Um, let's see. It's. Uh,
0: I like I like I like all of those words you've said so far. Have you seen? Okay. Have you
1: history. seen Kubo and the Two Strings? Yes. yes. Did you like it? Yes. Yes. Well, that's the that's director. True. That's, that's who the director, the director, director Travis Knight. I'm so stoked for this. That's like, yeah. the fact is, is that that I'm hoping that with the success of this film, if this winds up being as successful as it should be, that this will push Michael Bay out of the main Transformer storyline as well and start getting some really good quality universe building in. Uh,
0: right. And, and and that's the thing is I love Transformers as a kid and but but Michael Bay can do nothing good uh, with film and man uh, it's it's about time somebody did something good and yeah that was who I was th- that was the the movie I was thinking oh of, was holy the, crap was Kubo and the
2: Two Strings yeah good stuff yeah. okay he's an Oregonian yeah it's gonna be good
1: yeah I told he, he did, he did <laughs> he's know from Hillsboro he, yeah he, yeah yeah he's, he's done from... a lot of stuff with Leica so you you gotta you gotta, you gotta yeah. like it. But so the other thing is, is Bumblebee won't just feel different because of the time period. It's being made because it's the first of the spinoff. It's being made on a noticeably smaller budget, and but at the same time, they're saying a lot of the stuff is going to be focused more on Bumble. So you're not you're not it's not expecting to see a lot of other Transformers in this. Expected right, which, to be a focus. I would, of, I
0: would hope not. Yeah, because in terms of the lore, there shouldn't be a yeah. lot around that.
1: So yeah. expect it to be mostly. Bumblebee interacting with a singular character, and then the government chasing after him, which is what they did in the books and things like that. So it's gonna be the gov- It's gonna be Sector Seven or sect- uh, coming after and, him, and there and it, so it'll definitely have that Iron Giant feel.
0: I hope they actually give Bumblebee a voice though, because he the, had a, the radio voice.
1: Yeah, no. and and the thing is, I hope they don't. Yeah, it would be nice. It'd be interesting though if they keep with the continuum His original voice was a British Voice and then in The last movie they gave him a voice But it was Much younger sounding And American yeah, I don't
0: care what it is just give him a voice throughout And none of those voice box playing a radio
2: crap Yeah because was it the first movie Or was it the second movie where he talked In his actual voice This was the first movie at the very end Yeah okay that's what I thought that's all my qu- That was the only question I had. I was wanted to make sure, because I only watched the first
1: two. Oh. All right. Well, next up, I'm going to talk a little bit of something about Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're jumping universes over to Marvel Cinematic, although uh, the Transformers are done right now by Marvel, so they could technically be in the same universe. But let's go over to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is the only film right now that we definitely know is coming out or being worked on. A story, everything's being written for. It is the it is the Iron Man to the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. it's the only one
0: that's being written that's in that next phase. Yeah, right? and it, it is set right.
1: up. It will be the it'll be the catalyst to set up the next decade of Marvel films. So, is this a is this actually going? going to bring them
2: well i guess infinity war they're gonna actually join up yeah but they're going to actually be a part of yes of everything now
1: this this will whatever happens in volume three will set up everything and the director of volume three says the first thing is is that he wants to bring in two notable characters for sure which we already know about adam warlock but Mm
0: -hmm. yeah they said that my boy
1: Nova. Which, okay. But the problem is, for Nova, in order to come, that means the Nova core has to fall, which will probably happen. In my guess is that that'll happen in Infinity War for one or whatever the second one's called. And right. that's how but we get an Iron Man that type stone. character again. Yeah, because he's the Human Rocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's a smart ass like yeah. like Spider Man. So it's it's really it's a it's a good good. No matter, and, and both characters depending on who they have which role they go with either the younger or the older both of them were smart asses so either way
0: yeah because because what, we, what we've heard about the the next series is and i mean this is this possible spoil in the end of infinity wars that we, we know the gauntlet is going to be complete and so i'm definitely thinking there's thanos running the entire universe is is going to be the next phase and constantly trying to fi- everybody trying to figure out how to fight him that can actually get into space and it's going to be much more of a space opera than uh well you better, be, you better be bringing in world. those
1: inhumans then into the fold
0: oh did you see the trailer for inhumans oh my have you god seen? that looks terrible no
1: have you seen the updated they updated it the trailer with better yeah, CGI and stuff. Yeah, it's still I, I think it looks, bad. I, I'm, I'm excited.
0: Oh, do you, yeah, I know you are, but man, it looks like a bad TV sh- movie. And like they couldn't even get, like it was, It was the lighting looked like it was from Days of Our Lives. Okay, I
1: mean, okay, I give you that, but they did a lot better with Medusa's wig. Like when they added the yeah, computerized stuff, to yeah, it. She, and, she's much and, more believable now.
0: Yeah, the spe- yeah the second the second trailer I I'll I definitely I'll give you that the second trailer was better. The first one was like who greenlit this to be the first trailer yeah. out, and they scrambled for it. But I think the reason it looks better is because they got so much pushback. They didn't think they were going to get much pushback, and they got so much pushback that they picked the best scenes that they could find and made it into a better trailer. But t- to me, that if that was the route they took, they definitely left me questioning the rest of the show because the first trailer of this thing that's going to be airing in cinemas was so bad like that was the best thing they could do i would, i'm not excited about it because i mean everything the showrunners part of it uh everything just everything just uh feels really bad well, and p- part and, of the problem uh, is is that like you can good.
1: see absolutely everything and the reason because of that is because they filmed the entire series in omnimax like they filmed it in that big format and so you can pick that so clear you can pick up every little thing and so it actually picks up to where it makes it feel more like you're watching a play than than a film
0: yeah but we yeah we'll see if if it, feel, if it feels like i'm watching uh a daytime drama then it doesn't matter what you film it in you have to give me better sets than what they what they showed so far um But moving on to a show that's much more on the dramatic sense. Uh, There's Last Flag Flying. This is a drama from uh, Richard Linklater. And so he's done Slacker. He did Days of Confused and uh, very well nominated and received in a fantastic movie, Boyhood. Uh, He did that one. So this movie is starring Lawrence Fishburne, Brian Cranston, and Steve Carell. And this is going to be your main cast throughout. And these are three uh, buddies from war. And they come together to bury uh, one of uh, Steve Carell's son, who died. And so it's sort of a road trip journey of bringing them all together and then uh, then burying their son. And this cast just feels really good. The, the chemistry from the trailer is great. Um Steve Carell, Brian Cranston kind of started off and man, they're hitting it good and and I didn't think how Lawrence Visterman would fit in but I think that's also his characterization too he plays uh, a preacher who's trying to forget his past so it looks like he's going to take a little bit to come back into the the mold of this so all all of this included um, if you were just telling me the story of about three war buddies bearing one son, I would never watch this but it's Richard Linkletter and this cast then i'm interested in watching that show even if it's just uh on a rental because i think this is going to make something that's going to be very very watchable it comes out november 3rd 2017 so uh comes out right in that good holiday time you want to go see a movie with which your dad or your family member or something like that, that uh that's enjoyable so uh, i think this has a lot of potential for a, an enjoyable film so nice. that's my thoughts
1: well next up we're gonna talk. <laughs> we're going back to, to some DC, but we're sticking with the comic book talk. We're talking Batman, well, Batman, Joker, and Harley Quinn. But first up, Batman. Uh, it was announced this week that Warner Brothers and DC Films are moving forward with. Actually, they canceled. Also, first off, they canceled uh, uh, the Sirens film and oh, Gotham wow. Sirens yeah. that got canceled, and so. This is so the then they said that they're moving forward with a Joker origin film separate from the DCEU that will be about Joker and Harley Quinn. Um, next up, on top of that, moving forward, the director, the new director behind Batman, uh, I believe that's Matt Reeves, uh, mm-hmm. in an interview last month, st- or in an interview yeah last month was stating that his movies now are going to also move aside from the DCEU and are going to actually be a standalone his first one will be a standalone and if it's uh well received it'll be part the start of a trilogy
0: starring Ben Affleck mm-hmm.
1: as but, of right now technically, as of right now
0: so technically still the characters He can pull from or from the DC extended universe. He's just not writing in that world. Yes. So, right. So all of these other events that are taking place, he's going to basically ignore.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Because all of these are like world-changing events in Mm -hmm. Justice League and BVS. Well, no, Batman wasn't BVS, so he does have to at least acknowledge that if he's if his movie takes place after BVS if his if his take place before it Mm -hmm. which could make sense because I mean we're we're not talking uh you don't have to jump back too far in age and uh, you start right away uh with Affleck you could do it right before and tell those stories Mm -hmm. so okay um I could buy that especially if they did them all as a as a
1: prequel one yep but yeah that's 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 interesting yep yeah And with that, that leads us going into uh, another whole different episode that we're going to be recording tonight. So I guess it's time to sign off. Yes, sir. Uh, Did we get a new email? Right. We did. (laughs) Podcast at GeekologistRadio.com if you need to email us. Twitter is at GeekologistRadio minus the T for character restrictions. And you can find us on the web at www.geekologistradio.com where you can find all our episodes and any of the writings that we come up with for the site itself. And then
0: ninjapancake.com re-hosts yes. our sites along with, uh, uh, re-hosts our podcasts along with the podcast of lots of uh, other great geek podcasts.
1: Yeah, like Geek Squatch. Uh, that's another one, another good one. Uh, they also have on uh, My Morning Coffee and Our Evening Beverage, which are good ones as well and also if you're still a fan of the division which i have picked it up and it is actually i forgot to talk about it this oh wait that's coming up uh but the uh (laughs) you forgot to talk about it because it's not yeah it's not in this episode (laughs) dude but the uh if you're a fan of the division be sure to check out bombshell jacket it's awesome and there's rapping characters
0: all right and so damien where can we find you
1: mr damien nash on twitter and then I also just uh, published an article on Rectify Gaming uh, on the preview of ROKH. it's a Mars survival
2: adventure
0: nice. Jeff where can you find
2: me? you can find me on twitter at the Jeff thejeffberry that is T-H-E-G-E-O F-F-B-A-R-R-Y you can also find me on the Nerdentials podcast and that's it
0: and you can find me, Caucasian Sate, all one word on Twitter on this podcast, and then also on the next podcast, the, the Game On one. So for this episode, we are signing off. Have a good one, everybody.
1: Bye.